0: Welcome everyone, my guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the FHFA House Price Index, which hit an all-time high, as well as purchase apps, inventory, and mortgage rates. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking with Melinda Wilner, Chief Operating Officer at UWM, about PA+. Melinda, why is it important for brokers to be scaling their business right now?
1: Yeah. Well, one, it's a little bit quieter of a time. uh,
0: So there's more time to invest in making your process the absolute best one that really wows the borrower at the end of the day. But secondly, like we all know rates are going to come down and we need to be as efficient as possible to be able to scale for the future when we're all dealing with a whole bunch of refinances. So perfecting the process right now is a great move. Great points, Melinda. And listeners, you can find out more at UWM.com. Logan, welcome back to the podcast.
1: It is wonderful to be here, Sarah. And oh my God, I, the headline uh, Home prices hit an all time high. What? How? What's going on here? You know, um, that's the reality of the world we're living in today.
0: Well, let's dive into that. That's the FHFA house price index, which um, was at an all time high.
1: Yes, uh, and this morning, First America, uh, their home price index hit a new all-time high. And, and again, there's there's a lot of different uh, home price tracking uh, uh, models we have out there. Case Shiller, which will, you know, definitely Case Shiller will show some. It hasn't had a negative year-over-year report yet uh, on just the monthly numbers, but it will have one soon. Zillow, uh, there's the NAR, which is actually shows a medium price uh, year over year declines, uh, very small, but you know medium prices you have to be a little bit mindful of. But in general, um, what happened, especially in the second half of 2022, uh, did not continue in the first half of 2023. And as we have always liked to point, uh, the housing dynamics changed starting November 9th. And the forward-looking housing data pick that up. And now that we are, you know, June 1st, um, hopefully people will understand that tracking forward-looking housing data is very beneficial because by the time you see the data in the sales report and some of the pricing, you are like, what, what happened? How is this? And, uh. Uh, you know, we, we live in a society where a lot of disinformation campaigning is part of a business model. And, you know, this is why I've always emphasized reading is a good thing. We don't burn books in this country. And people like myself and others, you know, we have to uh, uh, inform those who aren't uh, informed because to me, the the least informed are usually the, the ones that uh, these people prey on the most. So we are just... Pilgrims in an unholy land, but we try to talk with numbers uh, and try to explain things uh, in in a fashion that hopefully now people can understand why I focused at least on November 9th last year so much. And now we see some of the, and and again, to me, it's still, it's the savagely unhealthy housing market, Uh, very low level of sales, very low level of inventory, Uh, prices aren't are uh, uh, adjusting to to get the scale demand of, of of sales up but uh mortgage rates just dipped a little bit and and things stabilized from a very low level
0: I think that's the most surprising thing about this is like yes the headline is it was the highest ever but it's not like you see i mean obviously this is the opposite of crash but it's also not like you see like this huge demand it's just the fact that we have such low inventory correct i i,
1: I think a lot of the misinformation in this country, comes from people that say inventory is not low. And they typically usually say the whole thing is just a giant Ponzi scheme. The Fed is manipulated. Well, mortgage rates spiked up in the biggest fashion ever recorded in history. Home sales collapse. The, and the 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 asset price, if you're just focused on that, on housing – would require educated people with children to sell their homes to be homeless, which then their children will be taken away from them because the police will go, that's not a good idea, and these are people that are working. It's it's a whole conspiracy theory that goes into crazy land. But here we just try to break it down to the simple answer is home sales stopped collapsing. It collapsed in the biggest and fastest fashion ever recorded in history. And because the demand is stable now, that forces the supply question to go back into into uh, uh, vogue again, and then we're like, oh, okay. Well, total active listings are still near all time lows. Monthly supply is still very low, and we're stuck in this marketplace. And then, if you look at it in that light, then it really shows like who are the real housing data analysts versus who are the professional doomers, right? And uh, uh, and now that we have close to eight months of data. Now we can show people, right? My, my whole thing is connecting the dots, be the detective, not the troll. And when the market turned, a lot of people didn't go with it because they saw the low level of sales and they just naturally assumed everything is 2008. And it didn't work because the credit models and the credit channeling of 2008 doesn't work. Um, and you really could show the inexperience by a lot of people on the internet whether they're stock traders or YouTubers or just grumpy old men.
0: Grumpy old men, um, yes.
1: It's just it just happened, man. It just and this is in for better or worse, this is the reality of the housing market we're dealing with. Not a rebound in demand like the Federal Reserve. We had another Fed members take about, oh no. Housing's rebounding. Our life is going to get worse. You know, I kind of picked up on this when Kashkari came on CNBC and he said, "Oh my God, six percent mortgage rates makes our life." You know, this country should never be about old men, right? And uh, if old baby boomers are like panicking, man, just just don't 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 do a government job then, right? You know, uh, you 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 can't you can't live your life that soft all the time, right? So uh, there is no. Record breaking demand, prices aren't escalating out of control. There's no rebound. It it just, it just, it just makes the Fed members just look so amateur. Right. We we remember the housing bubble years, right? There was no core PCE or CPI breakout because it was rent. So if you're targeting home prices and saying that housing's rebounding, then there's a 10-year low in demand, it just shows that you're supposed to be a sophisticated person in reading data. You can't be that wrong and then publish a paper and go speak at a, you know, at a forum and say the housing rebound. And then everyone's looking housing rebound, really? Right. So I am, I am becoming less and less of a fan of the federal reserve because some of their takes are like second grade stuff now. So, uh, uh, and again, I've got a plan for them. So, uh, I'm sticking to the plan and I've, I've held to it from the start that they're attacking labor and wages and don't fall for any of the gimmicks uh of home prices or you know uh uh we, we we need to we need to we need to get ahead of everything because you know inflate. No, none of that's happening. Your own forecast even says it. So hopefully people could understand there's there's more at work here with the Federal Reserve.
0: Yeah, uh, I do want to ask you about that in a minute. But first, I want to push in a little bit when you say home sales crashed or home sales crashing and define what that means, because people hear that and they might be like, does that mean that prices were crashing? No. Does that mean the you know, what do you mean when you say home sales crashed in the, in this waterfall dive last year and be really specific about that?
1: So last January, we started the year at 6.5 million monthly sales, right? So when I, when I talk about monthly sales, that's not the total sales number for the year. But monthly sales went from 6.5 million and collapsed to 4 million in one year. Let's take a look at the housing bubble years, which the peak was 7.26 million in 2005. Wow! It took... 2005, 2006, and 2007. It took that long to get down to the levels that we did in one year. So it was the biggest, fastest collapse ever recorded in history. And we didn't get much inventory. You know, we look at Altos research uh, on the weekly single family, which is to me the most effective inventory channel work out there. Uh, We had 240,000 single family homes in uh, March of 2022. Right now, we're 433,000, right? Uh, so uh, in 2015, we were 1.1 million. Uh, so you can you can see the scale uh, difference in inventory back then and now. So even with the biggest home sale collapse ever recorded in history, even if you want to take the NAR data going back to 1982, traditionally, just traditionally speaking, we're between two to two and a half million active listings. Okay. The NAR data is a tad over a million. So, um, yeah, it just, it's, just, it's one of these, one of these concerns that I've had for a very long time. You know, Mike and I talked about this in a podcast that if you actually looked at inventory data for 10 years, you're like, you know, this is going down, uh, very slowly. And, you know, my, my whole, all of my work in the previous expansion was that we were going to have the weakest housing recovery ever, like sales, housing construction, all these things weren't going to get to levels that people thought. But years 2020 to 2024, if housing does break out during these years, as it should, and we're not talking like anything that we saw from 2002 to 2005, but if it does break out, there is a chance that inventory can break to all-time lows. And that's not a good thing. That's not a healthy thing for prices because you can have a situation, which clearly this is what we're dealing with now, even today, too many people chasing too few homes, it's a supply-driven market. It's not a demand-driven market. Nobody would believe me because they saw sales rising. So they said, when, when home sales crash, inventory will skyrocket, right? That's the conventional wisdom, unless you are a fraudulent, grifting housing person, which you're not. And if you read credit and inventory channels, you could see, boy, it's this is going to be tough. And hopefully now, now that home prices, FHFA, first American, they're at all-time highs. People can understand- that we're di- we're dealing with a different dynamic here in housing. It's not a mortgage rate lockdown, but it's just that credit channels in America, where you get a home, you buy a 30-year fixed loan, you stay in your home longer and longer, you don't necessarily sell to be homeless, and your total housing cost is very low. So in an inflationary environment, which we are in, um, your house becomes the best financial asset On planet Earth, not because of prices, but because of your constant total housing costs versus your wages, which increases more during an inflation period. Sarah, it's not fair. It really isn't fair. When you look at all the global housing markets that the United States of America had the best loan profiles ever recorded in human history, and then on top of that, uh, uh, your wages go up. Faster, and then your total housing cost, which was already low before COVID, got even lower. So uh, it just—it's uh, a fortress, right? And uh, that fortress shielded a lot of uh, people from dealing with inflation. So if people are surprised that the Fed has hiked rates so much, and and uh, uh, we should have been in a recession in January of 2022, and I've I've stressed this from time and time and time again. Household balance sheets look different, and if you were able to read the data for ten years, you can see this. And even today, we still have people that are looking at different things and not understanding that it's going to take a lot more to like break these break these households. And uh, uh, we're still here today. Job openings came up still over ten million. You know, we were the first and only people on planet Earth that talked about job openings getting to ten million in this expansion, and the economy is still moving along. Um, because household balance sheets are much different. So I think that's the surprising thing. But if you actually read the data, God, it's so beautiful. It is such a beautiful data line. Fixed debt costs, rising wages, household homeowners had the best shield against inflation, and uh, uh, it showed itself. And uh, we can see that by the lack of sellers, because why would you give up something good? It's not prices or anything. Why would you give up something that good? Because you're exchanging it for something more.
0: And and that to me is the crux of the mortgage, late, mortgage rate lockdown theory, which we will not get into right now. But let me just say, you cannot just say it's not a mortgage rate lockdown and then talk about something that exactly describes a mortgage rate lockdown, except that you've defined it differently. And yeah. so you're like... I've defined it this way, and therefore it's not this, but you just said it it's like why should i
1: we- i i will I will just revert back to my data and say that new listings data in America were at all time lows when mortgage rates were at three percent forty two percent of homes in America don't have a mortgage in a coherent world with data <laughs> this cannot possibly exist with a mortgage rate lockdown, because the mortgage rate lockdown was a premise that said, once rates go lower, active inventory should grow. We have no data in the last 10 years, whenever rates fall, that this has occurred one time. If I had one week or something I could work with, maybe I could put a possibility into it, but you're asking me to believe in something that I know doesn't exist. I think it's a great, clever marketing thing. Right? Yeah, so it was really easy. I mean, just say mortgage rate lockdown it makes sense, right? Mortgage rates are too high; people don't want to lister. Well, if you believe in supply and demand economics, when rates come down, demand can pick up. But the notion that active listings will grow in a in a in a in a meaningful way when rates fall—that's no. It, we we don't have the data. And when I am at the GOE, I will present this in in a big screen, Sarah, and I I'm going to prove to people that. We have credit channels and inventory channels that are different. And because of that, um, uh, we have to look at housing in a different way.
0: Well, I do look at housing in a different way. And, and also, it is not my grift. I do not say it as – I don't have some sort of marketing grift. So I Oh,
1: marketing. Sarah, everyone says it. I know. I, I am on an island. I cannot tell you how much I love being on this island by myself. Oh, I just – We it all just, know. It, it's it's my entire work, Sarah. It's everything I've done. If I'm to believe in the mortgage rate lockdown, then inventory should have been skyrocketing in 2021. That's what people actually said to me. Nobody was listing their homes in 2020, Logan. Now that mortgage rates are falling, everyone's going to list their homes and active inventory is going to go. I said, okay, let's see how that works out. Didn't happen. And then, as long, then there's forbearance and that that that, that didn't happen either. But if I take the history of economics and timeline it out for the last ten years, I can make a case. But I have math facts and data on my side, and it is my kingdom of heaven, which I love to protect at all costs.
0: You do not have all the math facts and data on your side. We will we will argue about this later. But so let's talk about purchase apps. Obviously, the housing market tracker, which you do weekly, and you look at inventory, you look at, um, you know, the ten-year yield and mortgage rates and you also look at purchase apps. So tell us what the last one was and then we just got purchase apps yesterday. So what are you thinking for the next one?
1: You know last last week I was surprised that the weekly decline was little. I thought I was looking for like 8 to 11%. Uh the weekly uh when I look at purchase application data on a weekly basis, I, I look at if it's negative or positive. Well, what's happened in the last few weeks is a 10 year yield has shot up. Mortgage rates went back above uh, 7%. In fact, we just hit a, a year to date high in mortgage rates. I had an anticipated like 8 to 11% weekly declines, and uh, it's been below 5%. Even today, it was 3% weekly declines. I was like, whoa, that's, that's not what I was expecting. I was expecting high single digits, low double digits, weekly decline because the speed of, of rates were so much, um, which then brings me back to the bar is just so low, right? The bar is just so low. We have so many more people working now than before that uh, it's been very hard for purchase application data to take another leg down. But now that we have, now that we're in June now, so again, I, I always wait purchase application data the second week of January to the first week of May after May total volumes falls, we've had 10 positive prints and 10 negative prints. So it's basically a wash for this year so far. Um, And that explains what, you know, when I talked about, we're going to have this big, big sales report coming up soon, and then that should be the peak. It's kind of looking like that to me. If purchase application data kept on being positive for the entire year, then we can grow sales more, but that's not been the case. Um, we're just basically a wash at this point. This is why I don't believe, like, when the Fed people say housing is rebounding, like it's this small, dude. Come on, really? <laughs> Come on, baby boomer. Come on, that's a rebound to you. It might be a rebound to you. It's not a rebound to me. So uh, you've got to like, you know, there's there's some data lines that you have to. Uh, it has to make sense. So we're basically a wash at this point. So now, uh, when I look at June to the rest of the year, I kind of look at uh, purchase application data a little bit differently. But you, the weekly datas are so key when you're working from such a low bar to get an, get an angle of things. And of course, last year, we just had a waterfall. I mean, if you want to look at waterfall dives, look at the builder's confidence, look at existing home sales, look at purchase application data, right? Just a waterfall dive in demand. And so far, the builder's confidence has been the only index that has reach to where you can make a positive case. uh, uh, It's got to 50. 50 is that point where it's considered to be in an expansion. But we have to remember the builders are in a totally different situation than the existing home sales market right now. So you have to exclude them from the equation. Like The builder's monthly supply is falling now. Um, and their confidence index is almost positive. That doesn't really apply to the existing home sales market where active inventory is growing. See, we're having the spring active inventory grow, Sarah Wheeler. And we're so glad right? about
0: that. Logan
1: We are glad about that. That that high mortgage rate is not, you know. Um, so spring is it's been very tepid this year. I call it the, you know, walking dead uh from the bottom of spring it it hasn't been much to the point that we're going to we're probably going to see some year over year uh inventory declines just because last year uh, uh the speed was a little bit faster so if if the trend continues we can see that data line come about uh in the third quarter so the the tracker article just i think the thing that surprised me is that i had expected bigger weekly declines in purchase apps didn't see that I'm very happy that the active listings is growing. It's not much, but it's growing because to have a functioning housing market, you have to have a functioning spring inventory season. And uh, inventory bottomed out at the longest period ever recorded in US history. That's not a good thing. And so far, the growth has been very tepid. And remember, new listings data is trending at all-time lows, but still, there are people, Sarah, giving up their low mortgage rate to go buy another house. As shocking as that might be, there are thousands of thousands of people every week doing this because people have to buy certain homes. Have, they have different uh, uh, needs, and uh, uh, even though it's really appealing, some people can afford to buy another home, and that that matters to them more at their at their current stage of life.
0: Okay, so um, you know, in in the latest tracker, I love it because you can use that Altos Research data to get the exact number. So, active in inventory grew by. 8,914 homes week to week, which I love that we can be that specific about it. And then we also talk about, you know, and you said, you know, we've hit a new high in mortgage rates. One of the things that you talked about, there was the debt ceiling and the debt ceiling, you know, drama and the effect on mortgage rates. So now that that's been mostly settled, we are still waiting for the actual settlement. But now that that's been agreed upon, what do you expect mortgage rates to do?
1: Well, so as soon as the announcement was done, we've seen a twenty twenty basis point reversal in the ten year yield so mortgage rates uh have have come down you know uh, in a quarter to uh, forty basis points depending on uh who you track so we we saw some relief right away on mortgage rates. The one interesting aspect today uh uh the job openings It's jobs week you know so every every time we do the tracker we we give a heads up on what it what we want to look at what occurred was The job openings number was higher than expected, but the quits ratio is back to pre-COVID levels, basically. So bond yields had an initial increase and just kind of gave it all back up. So some people are confused about that. The quit ratio actually is really important if you're talking about a tighter labor market. So wage growth year over year has been slowing down since the start of 2022, Jobless claims are up from the bottom. Job openings are still off two million from the from the peak, and quit ratios are are back to pre COVID levels. And that's important because what does
0: quit ratio a, mean? a quit
1: um, a, a quit percentage ratio is the 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 amount of the labor force that's quitting their jobs most likely to go get a higher paying job. And this is what the Fed hates because the Fed hates you making more money, Sarah. And because of that, the quit ratio is falling means oh okay the market isn't as tight as. It seems. So I think there was some confusion. This man was like trying to help people, like, you gotta, you gotta follow the quits ratio and all these other data lines. And everybody's telling me it's the 1970s. It's the 1970s. Arthur Burr, it's destroy the economy. Destroy. Man, Sarah, there are some really, really, really dysfunctional men on Twitter. Um, but in any case, hopefully that explains why bond yields retraced a little bit back. Uh, um, so the job openings is healthy. And I believe that the Federal Reserve is using the job openings as total cover for everything. Like they don't believe you could have a job loss recession until job openings can maybe get down to 7 million. We're at 10 million. Um, so I, uh, it, it gets it gets so interesting with the Fed. And of course, my thing is always they will not pivot until you lose your jobs, right? And if you actually listen to their statements and now they're making up stuff like, oh my God, housing's rebounding. That, that's going to make our lives difficult, you know? we are dealing with a group of people that are stuck in the 1970s. And because they're stuck in the 1970s, the bond market doesn't believe it's 1970s. The inflation data doesn't believe it's the 1970s. Rent inflation is about to show you it's not. But if you have the people in power believe that they're 1970s, there is only one end to this. It is a job loss recession. And when you look at it that way, then all of the things they said or done, especially in the last uh, few months, makes total sense.
0: Are you surprised that has given everything going on, that it has taken this long to see some of that, um, some of the labor market break that, I mean, it hasn't broken yet, but even to get to that level.
1: It's, it's, you know, when we did the COVID-19 recovery model, when we did this at housing wire, because you, you guys chose to publish that and, um, but uh, you know, in twenty twenty one, you know, we had some soft job numbers and you're talking about oh, no, no, job openings are gonna get to ten million. The demographics of the US is different now. And why is that, Sarah? Because no country has a Dorian gray labor market, right? And uh, uh people age and they age out of the labor force and then they die. This is the reality of the world. If people don't like me saying that, tough. Um, and Uh, when the baby boomers leaving, you need labor to replace them. There's parts of the United States of America that don't have a lot of younger people in them. There's like seven areas of the US that have a lot of younger people, but it's not basically evenly distributed. So uh, it's harder and harder for some parts of the country to get labor to replace the older people working. So uh, the labor market being this firm is not not uh, a, a surprise to me. It's basically my whole baseline work. Uh, the the consumer balance sheets being strong is not a surprise to me because that's been my baseline work. I think the surprising thing to me is how how much the Fed is using decoy tactics and just ra- this is rather just I mean once in a while they'll say it oh wages are too high we got to we got to bring that down or the labor supply is too high we got to bring that down so sometimes they 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 let it slip out but I think it's it's confusing for a lot of people because people have always assumed that the Fed is their dual mandate is for full employment. Well, full employment to them is like 5%, you know? So uh, they, they, yeah, 5%, 5% unemployment. In some cases, they believe 6% unemployment is full, full employment. So that's the old model or the old thinking. Um, and obviously, that wasn't the case. Uh, we had very low unemployment rates during the previous expansion, which was the longest economic and job expansion ever recorded in history. It was very slow. But- uh, we got the unemployment rates below 4% and no breakaway uh, wage inflation. Here, they're just focused on labor supply and wage growth. Uh, and if you just look at it in that, just kind of ignore everything else, then it makes sense what they're doing um, because they think that's the, that's the best way to deal with inflation is for people to spend less, lose their jobs, labor supply goes up. They're going to help bosses not be able to fight for labor. This is the whole thing about the Federal Reserve is that they're very corporate boss friendly. Uh, if you if you don't run a hot labor market, then uh, you don't get to pay people more. So this is the dynamic that they want to uh, fight at this stage.
0: So I know uh, mortgage rates are still within your range, but any, any hope on the horizon, the short-term horizon that we could get back into like six and a half range?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the... The odd part is that I almost got to the seven and a quarter uh, peak, but it was for the wrong reason. Uh, I pegged the four and a quarter ten-year yield to get to seven and a quarter, but the spreads have gotten so bad after the banking crisis. So to, to me, the the big variable change of twenty twenty three was things were getting things were okay before the banking crisis. They got worse. They got noticeably worse after the banking crisis. So because the spreads are bad, uh, it actually. Forced my peak rate to get up there sooner, even though the ten-year yield was about forty basis points off of the four and a quarter range. So uh, I don't know. It just the ten-year yield can go down. Mortgage rates can get to six and a half percent. That's that's not an issue. The question is, are we just going to be dealing with a, a higher normal spread for the rest of the year because the banking crisis is still here and credit is getting tighter? And in that environment, does the spreads get better? No. You know we haven't seen that yet, so we'll see uh when that occurs. I mean at some point, the Fed does cry, Uncle, and then you know because the spreads are already bad, historically, they would in theory would get better at that point uh but we're not there yet so it it gets it gets it gets very interesting on that aspect because we've had i like i've always said the 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 mortgage market of America resembles like a third world country it's a very dysfunctional, it's very stressed it doesn't resemble a country that's the most powerful economy in the world. And uh, um, uh, it, it's uh, the Fed never talks about it, right? They're just like, no. I mean, the Fed, the Fed only thinks they're talking about. Oh my God, people are buying homes again. That means they're having sex, they're having kids, they're going to buy stuff. No, stop spending, people. I'm an angry baby boomer. I have to destroy the economy. You're ruining my life. So, ah, oh, they're such babies. <laughs>
2: Really My like. God!
1: i am just I'm there's there's a point to where you look so absurd to to call that tiny little rebound a rebound. Look at that! You see that ten year low in demand? Oh no! That's going to make our so. I just,
0: Well, we will thank you so much for being on. I know that we still have jobs reports, uh, some more job reports coming out this week. We'll uh, circle back with you on that. You're going to be looking again at inventory this weekend, see what that looks like. Um, So thanks for being on, guiding us through this, and I will talk to you again soon.
1: Yes, it is a pleasure. Continuously destroying your mortgage rate lockdown premise. And by the way, for the gentleman that says it's a demand lockdown, okay, a demand lockdown is not a mortgage rate lockdown. The mortgage rate lockdown was a premise that was used. In fact, Sarah, I, I don't know if you remember this because I don't think uh, we were working together. One of the first articles I wrote for HousingWire came on January 7th, 2020. It was it, it was a straight shot at the mortgage rate lockdown premise. And if you think about it, you know, during that period of time, mortgage rates really fell and inventory didn't really grow. So I encourage everyone, if you really wanted to know my core beliefs, there's an article that says, why are people living in their homes longer? The hashtag with housing wire. I take a shot at the mortgage rate lockdown then. So I'm just being consistent with my work for the last 10 years. And you, Sarah, Sarah, you, Sarah, are trying to break my relationship with my Uh, economic modeling for the last 10 years. And let me tell you something. That's a hard relationship to break.
0: Logan, you don't want to be the old and slow one. If the entire world is moving around your island of what you think is the mortgage rate lockdown.
1: Do I look like someone that is afraid of taking on the entire world? No, (laughs) I welcome it. So,
0: Okay. Well, I and the entire world will take you on. Okay, Logan, we're out of time. Thanks again.
2: Hi, I'm McKenna Clay, Events and Program Specialist here at HW Media, and I wanted to invite you to our upcoming event this summer. A theme we've heard from housing leaders this year is the importance of relationships to not only survive, but be strategic in 2023. And that's why we decided to invite the top C-suite executives and leaders in mortgage to join us at Gathering of Eagles in Austin, Texas from June 18th until 21st. Now, Gathering of Eagles has historically been exclusive to the nation's most elite brokerage, association, and team leaders, and C-suite leaders. But for the first time this year, we're opening up the audience to include execs from mortgage, title, and insurance so that you can connect and build vital partnerships for your business. If you want to learn more, visit the events page on Realtrends.com, and you can get registered today to come hang out with us in Austin.